This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hey out there, disaster divas. Welcome back to the Disaster Girls podcast. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Gershiola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we are lucky once again today to not be alone in the room. We have a guest with us. And guest, would you like to introduce yourself to the folks at home? Hi, everybody. I am a film critic and film producer named Scott Weinberg. I also have a podcast like everyone else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I fully support. Um, I won't spoil anything about the movie Bodies, 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 but I've been able to see it. And there are definitely jokes about podcasters in that movie that made me feel skewered. Oh, I can't um, wait. I heard good yeah. things. I'm I'm it's it's it it kicks ass uh, and it feels very 2000s. It's very mean um, in that sense. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. I do have to say I will say briefly since Scott shouted out that he is a producer of films as well. We were talking about it before we started recording. He uh, is a producer on the film. I trapped the devil which is uh, came out in 2019. It made my, when I worked at Vulture, I would do an annual best of the year horror list. And for that year, I Trapped the Devil did make my top 10. An excellent movie. I highly recommend you watch it. So Thank I got, you. I wanted to make sure and get that in there for the folks at home. Thank you. I will all credit to our writer, director, Josh Lobo and our cast. Uh, I was very, very fortunate to be involved with that. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being here. And what is it that you have brought for us today? I <clears throat> brought a Norwegian import called mm-hmm. the Burning Sea. Uh, and anybody who's listening to this podcast is familiar with The Wave. Yep, and yep. The Quake. And this is not connected uh, in a narrative sense to those two, but it is in every way a spiritual sequel to those films. It, it does feel like there, if there is a, if there is a, in the way that, like, the the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, like, they're informally a trilogy of um, films from Nick, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. This does feel like a sort of trilogy of Norwegian disaster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would be fine if they did three or four more after this, right? Do, yes, They got yeah. new volcanoes in Norway? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> yeah. can give us a whole, they, they can definitely give us a whole, like, sampler platter of disasters, for sure. They're just very smartly doable. made really mm-hmm. well shot efficient they have some emotional heft yeah uh, so you much know, uh some sometimes the pathos gets a little corny but but for the most part all it. three of them have sincere heart and that's yeah. what makes the set pieces and the suspense worthwhile just and like they, in a horror movie and they've all got the great spectacle too like oh, to yeah, balance absolutely. it out this the you would not expect this level of the the visuals and the spectacle that comes with these movies but man yeah, the thing that we have going on in the Burning Sea is we are off the coast of Finland and uh, do most likely due to heavy drilling off the coast, the um, crust, is that the crust of the earth? The sea floor? The uh, sea floor. Amanda uh, has been perforated so heavily by constant uh, oil drilling 
that an old, like, underwater, an old under undersea landslide has sort of been reactivated and it is sliding once again, threatening to imperil hundreds, like more than 300 offshore oil drilling rigs. Um, it's going to consume them. They're going to collapse and it's going to spew oil into the ocean. Um, and But our story revolves around one couple, one love story where there's a mass evacuation. But guess what? Her man, our star, our star doctor, lady scientist, roboticist, she, her man doesn't make it off his rig. Got to go out and save him. Nobody from the institution's going to do it. She's got to take matters into her own hands. Meanwhile, the ocean's on fire. Boom. Yeah, it's one of those great movies where the title really tells you what you need to know. There's going to be a burning sea and they're <laughs> going to have to be a burning sea and they're going to have to escape it. And, you know, what more can you want? I know what I know. One more thing I could want. What's, what's a that? running a running time of an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's nice. Isn't that it's nice? nice? It is a compact film. Well, and so much so that like once it like once everything starts going down, I was like, Shit, man, there's not much movie left here. When are we going to set the ocean on fire? Like, we've got we've got to set the ocean on fire. There's not much time left. And you know what? It's a real it's a real high moment in the Disaster Girls podcast. Anytime we can talk about something where fighter jets are going to shoot missiles at water to make it explode into flames. That's a good old that's a good old disaster movie execution right there. One thing I really liked about it is We've seen so many disaster movies that are variations on the same. It's a flood and we got to run or it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, we're freezing or it's a volcano or earthquakes. This is different. This is, you know, a, a, a large number of workers stuck on a bunch of oil rigs that may or may not get off of those oil rigs before the entire area becomes <laughs> engulfed in flames because <laughs> oil is spewing into shallowish, relatively shallow waters. Right, and right. And it, it really builds a, a ticking clock. It does um, dabble in the cliches and stereotypes that we like. There is the yeah. side, the sidekick trope is, Ugh. I love it. Love the sidekick trope in this movie. Arthur. Um, I, I knew, I yep. knew. Mm. So that was my, I, right. I didn't have the thought of, man, I'm really going to be sad when Arthur dies until they were all loading into the escape vessel because until so one of the things I think is fascinating about this movie is that it doesn't have the pacing of like a traditional disaster movie. It's not a Roland Emmerich film where like every five minutes there's a new complication that is gonna completely blows up the plan and they have to change right. we everything. Get, like compacted complications in like one chunk. It's like it's oh most, my god. Yeah. It's mostly pretty linear. And yeah, that, yeah. That's kind of refreshing. Almost every disaster movie has a large cast and a three-headed structure where we're going plot A. We're jumping plot B. around, yeah. Right. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. That's but the point is, is that because there was so much, because it was the, everyone made like there was no real sense of he's a red shirt to me. So yeah. until they were at that launch vessel, and I was like, man, I'm so glad Arthur's not going to die. And then Arthur, <laughs> I see. I thought his red hair really doomed him. Mm. I I thought exists exists for nothing except he does one key thing. And then he dies. People do not have the requisite respect that they should for people with red hair. And I was like, they're going to fucking kill this guy. I, I was just it. thrilled that, you know, it, for that was Norwe- Norway's version of having like a double minority lead was what I thought. I was like, wow, this is a movie headed by two minorities, <laughs> a woman and a ginger. And I was just so <laughs> thrilled for ginger representation on film. 
um, only for him to die nobly, if I think, I think personally, uh, a little senselessly. Well, I mean, is he not virtually the only carnage in the film? Yeah, he is. It's a fairly low, because, you know, you said the thing about the there's hundreds of workers who need to be evacuated, but that evacuation happens pretty seamlessly. Like really we never... successful, really yeah. successful evac. You know, to talk Mass about evac. the re- the reality index of it. Like, you know, it's always so funny to watch these movies versus thinking about it. Hobie in an American concept. Absolutely, context. yes. Okay, so we didn't really so to set it up a little bit. Um, there's a an explosion on an oil rig, and our protagonist Sophia. Uh, which remind me to circle back to the idea of her as a protagonist later because I have a variety article thing about that. Anyway, <laughs> so Sophia is a like robotics engineer. Yeah. And so her job is to steer the underwater robot. Um, yeah, it's through. like a snake robot. It's so cool. The, the yeah, character really design cool. on that thing was awesome. And yeah, so her job is to steer the snake robot through the underwater things. And um when we late so when she then is going back they, they find a, a surviving me- crew member and then she realizes well, this is, and this is in this the is, this is the initial like yeah. this is apart from the later drama of all the other oil rigs and the one with her right fiat, like the one with her boyfriend on it in the beginning we the stage is set by like oh wow this oil rig fully crashed down to the bottom of the ocean it only took like two minutes uh-oh and they get called in yeah she, to see if there are any survivors hiding in air pockets in this oil rig that's on the sea floor and this is how we really start the movie exactly yeah so i think yeah thank you for that so yeah so anyway so she's doing that and they realize that the oil rigs are leaking and it's whole thing and she has the video the hard drive the external hard drive that has the video footage on it and she goes and she meets with the head or her point person at the oil company and he's she shows him the video and he doesn't really react and then he's like can i take this and he takes the hard drive and i was like yelling at the screen no one's ever gonna see that hard drive again i was like yeah fucking no one this is this is the cover-up they're never gonna see it this is yep why would you never let him take a hard drive the only way anybody else is going to find out about this is after it happens and it's in the news and they're like, William, did you know about this? Imagine my surprise. Yeah. And instead I was like, oh, wait, no, that's American brain thinking. Yeah. Apparently in Norway, when you're alerted to a major infrastructure and like <laughs> risk that could like potentially tank your stock prices, you proactively do something about it. It was because like in that moment, he's totally like he's totally the asshole. Like he snatches that drive from her. He's marching away. And you're like this fucking guy. And then he's like, I better go straight to telling the government. It was like, oh, (laughs) oh, I didn't realize that your steely resolve was not to hide the crime, but to go (laughs) tell the proper authorities. Bureaucracy is international. We don't own the exclusive rights to that. Yeah, no. it's just that apparently sometimes you can, it's like you can still be a dickhead, but be on the side of good with your dickheadery. Who, which, when he who when he starts la- launching into a full presentation about why they need to shut the rigs the great, down, I was like, the what? Great speech. The great, great speech. I was like, this, my brain is like, I'm having to like force myself to understand what's happening I here. I learned a lot about deep oil. Uh, yeah. I learned a lot about this stuff from this movie. I didn't know half the information I learned. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of the stuff later is nonsense, enjoyable nonsense, but like, <laughs> you know, it's learning about like how many people work on the crew and how they get on and off and 
Right, yeah. How many there are? I didn't know there were that many of them. It's it's, it's I fascinating could not, uh, piece. I kept, I was book. that entire scene, I was waiting. Entire scene, I was waiting for somebody to be like, we can't shut down the rigs. Mm-hmm. Not a one. No oh, one. Oh, yeah, not there a are one. so many. There are so many of those tr- American tropes that are missing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the sidekick trope Incredible. is not missing, but you know what is missing <laughs> is just the randomly rotten authoritarian authority yes. figure. Yeah. <laughs> Some I, I was waiting for some CEO to show up out of fucking nowhere. Right, and be like, like I'm gonna him, be the spoil sport. Let him burn. No, it, it, all the humans are fighting against time and the elements. There is, there's no need for a human villain in this movie. We even have the corporate guy who, like, we think we're we're gonna hate, like William William Lai, and he's like, and the the government minister is like, how many? He's like, there, you know, so there are 350 rigs out there, and the and the corporate guy is like, and people. I was like, wow, yeah, wow, twist, you guys. This guy's, this, the corporate baron is stepping in being like, hey, those are people out there. You can't just call them oil rigs. It's like, whoa. I was so, <laughs> I was so shocked. It was, it, that's why I love, I love when we get to watch these movies. It's like that nice little reminder of, oh, right. This isn't how we have to be. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and if it is, if it is just uh, broad screenwriting, Fine. We've had enough broad authority villains. Mm-hmm. Why not have one who's a broad noble government figure? Why not? <laughs> Scott, me and Amanda are at odds on the movie Underwater, which I love and Amanda does not love. Oh, Amanda, if she remembers my take on that film, I like it very much. I fucking love Underwater. Yeah. One of my but one of my favorite things about Underwater, apart from anything else having to do with disasters, is that it is like I realized like halfway through, I was like, this is just a movie about people trying to help each other. Yeah. Like, everybody in underwater is a good, per- even TJ Miller is a good person. In a- and you're waiting for Vincent Cassell to go full creepy motherfucker, like sabotage him in the like life-saving pod. And no, everyone is just going out of their way selflessly to save the person next to them. And it's like, Listen, guys, we're on the fucking ocean floor, and there are now sea monsters. We've got enough going on. See, we don't actually the, need someone here to be a That's the fun part, villain. Jordan. That's the fun part about <laughs> underwater is that forget about the last 15 minutes. You don't know it's monsters. You think it's a disaster movie. Yeah. And I do yeah. love the, what do you call it, in media res, where they, the movie oh, in, starts. Yeah, in res. Yeah. In res, where it's in the middle of the in the middle of a an explosion is just happening and now for Love the next it. 80 some minutes they got to try and get out and oh yep. and then there's a twist there's monsters uh I, I bet i bet amanda you'll come around on that movie you'll like it <laughs> you, you will like it one day okay not until they change the hand dryer not until they change the hand dryer in the women's bathroom at the very beginning of the movie that's it that's that's my that's my <laughs> stopping point i was i did I have a moment with this Sam movie to edit that movie with women and put women's just rooms a won't, different, don't use different hand dryer, hand dryer no it was just it, it was it was it was distracting to me i can't <laughs> anyway i'm not discussing underwater with you guys because i feel um that one day i will be vindicated that you will be attacked oh yeah there's also like <laughs> I, you know, as I said to, as as I said, as I said to the, uh, oh, the screen drafts guys, when they were like, we should have you and Jordan on for a screen draft. And I was like, well, here's the thing. Jordan and I are real life friends and have been real life. <laughs> we're not just like Twitter internet friends. Jordan has been a close friend of mine with a, right. a friend group for <laughs> nigh on a decade. And right. I like at least, you know, at, at, 
I can't risk that friendship <laughs> for content. Like I, for I can't content. do it for content. She would do a lot for content, ladies and gentlemen. I she will won't do, do that. So much for content. I <laughs> am accidentally <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I, I, I really think I, I love, I love every once in a while when you get those mm-hmm. movies where everybody's just doing their best. Like even, even I remember watching the movie Brooklyn and being just so charmed by the fact that like, cause it's like, you know, is it Donald Gleason or is it the other guy that she's going to be with? And it's like, I kept waiting for one guy in that movie to turn out to be a bastard and like to scorn her. So she ran into the arms of another cause That's what happened. It's just right. like, oh, we're no, so used to really having nice guys, either a villain or a villainous foil in a movie or a show yeah. used to the mean boy, the mean girl or, or the dickhead boss. And yeah. once in a while you watch a movie like, I don't know, the commitments where there's it. like, yeah, it's just a slice of life. And there are no, there's no, there's no asshole character. There's no need for it. They're just, you know, it, it, it's, it's nice. Yeah. We've got it. We, and we've got enough going on in the burning sea that we don't need somebody to be a fucking asshole. on top of it. Absolutely. And we don't need to, a movie to be longer than this. We don't need this movie yeah. to be any longer than this. I keep wanting to ask you guys if you'd seen um, Deepwater Horizon. I have not actually no. seen Deepwater Horizon yet. Yeah, not a bad movie. I'm not a Marky Mark fan, but uh, it's not a bad film. And I-, I would think it would make an interesting double feature with this because that's based loosely on actual events. Well, and they even yeah. shout it out in this yeah. movie. Oh, the, yes. Good point. They they're, mentioned yeah, that, like, that. You remember Deepwater Horizon? I was like, I need. I should see that Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> this is utterly unrelated. But guys, since this is going to come out close to Ambulance, a go see ambulance b they managed to work in references to two michael bay movies in ambulance like full by name talk about the movie moments i want to see ambulance Ambulance. but i still haven't seen the batman so if i go to the movies this weekend i'm gonna see that (laughs) oh god you gotta you gotta get that before it goes no last time i went to the movies i had a choice between batman or x fuck yeah and i chose x Great choice. Okay. X needs your money more than the Batman does. Amanda, Damn. what's the one movie you've like seen in theaters? It was the pin. The Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went to the movie because I was like, oh, well, I got I, I went on a date with a guy to see the Batman and I just it oh no, that's not true. There's two movies I've seen in theaters since the pandemic started. One is the Batman, the other, of course, is Moonfall. Moonfall! That's Moonfall was, it is. Moonfall was my was my return to the, my my triumphant <laughs> return, return to, to the film. Um, <laughs> I just watched Moonfall last week uh, on the streaming. I was looking for. I look forward to bad disaster movies, similarly as I look forward to good horror movies. I just yes, yeah. You know, everybody says, "Oh, Moonfalls." I said it reminds me. It looks like Geostorm, and everyone said it's much worse. It's even worse because it's dull. And blah, 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 blah. No, still still held my interest. Still was like, I'm sorry, you can't say it's worse than and compare it to anything when this is a film that halfway to three quarters of the way through the movie pivots so hard from natural <laughs> disaster to <laughs> like this movie. Yeah, if we if we got through all of it and then it turned out that like, well, the moon is falling apart because of <laughs> oh, that, the that alignment or gravity or anything a, like that. Fine. Then the movie sucks. But holy shit, when they I'm turn that to, corner. It, Sorry, I no, go go go. Talk. No, you can interrupt. Sorry, keep I going. have been. I'm about to introduce a game that you're going to do every episode from now on. Oh, you're you have, think of a classic or or beloved or hated disaster movie, and you have to change Act Three 
and just make it a complete left turn because that's exactly what Moonfall does. If you hadn't seen the trailer or the TV ads, mm. you would think it's some kind of moon based. Uh, the moon is falling and therefore yeah. tidal waves mm-hmm. and earthquakes. I get Moonfall. it. I'll watch that. Yeah. Then, no, it's an alien invasion. The way I, I, yeah. I physically pointed at the screen and shouted <laughs> aliens when it showed up. And I, I, was, I was just so tickled. I was like, let's just keep putting hats on this thing. Man. Yeah. There are it not is, enough hats in the world to put busy. on the Moonfall This hat. movie was, I loved that the movie kept, that, that at every turn Roland Emmerich was like, but what if more? And I was yeah. like, yes. <laughs> Give me more. Wait, it's not just aliens. It's aliens that were descended from and it's not actually aliens. It's, it's hyper intelligent. aliens, right? It's ancient Ancient aliens with hyper intelligent AI. Yeah, and, yes. and AI. And 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 you know, the malicious AI, but they designed that benign AI afterwards. And I, it was fine. It lost me in Act Three, but I will say this from Moonfall. Not a very good film, but if you love disaster <laughs> movies, you will get around to seeing it eventually. And a legitimate compliment, phenomenal special effects in that movie. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that made me. It made me want Gravity Wave. Right, that's, <laughs> right. That's not nothing when you're talking about this kind of movie. And you know, what are the key components? Well, hopefully, a couple likable actors. Hopefully, an interesting story, <laughs> um, and some great special effects, some spectacle. Hopefully, Donald Sutherland showing up to just explain things and then he has, go I think kill he has, himself. I think he has, and four, then just go kill himself. He has 14 words in the movie. <laughs> You know, look, man, that summer house doesn't pay for itself. <laughs> but the burning sea. The burning sea. The burning sea. Did you guys is, know? This is one of those prestige versions of a disaster movie. Yeah. Did you guys know? So because it because of how they revealed that something was wrong, did you guys think, as I did, that maybe we were getting a total left turn of mm. like undersea monster? And it didn't pop for me. And nope. probably because it was Norwegian. I nope. was like, mm. yeah, no, I, I was thought... so confused in the first 30 minutes trying to figure <laughs> out. I kept rewinding. I was like, what are they seeing on the screen? Because I couldn't. I couldn't out. see a fucking thing on that screen, Amanda. We see two times they play the video mm-hmm. of like the snake robot coming out of the yeah. first downed uh, oil rig. And they're like. Our scientists are looking at the video. They're like, look at this. Like, this is a rift on the seafloor. And I was like, ooh, I hope we get a look at that again. And then the and then the corporate guy plays it in the conference for the government minister and all of his, like, corporate yeah. board members or whoever they are. And I was like, I'm looking and I, mm, I am struggling to find this thing that we're all really scared of right now. That was because they kept. Coming. I needed a real computer enhanced. I, exactly. I needed a circling. I, that's my yeah, thing. Is I that it was those first 30 minutes and they kept being like when she, when, when Arthur was like, come look at this. And Sophia, and they're like looking at Sophia's face, not the screen. And they're yeah, cutting yeah. away and they're not showing it to us. And I was like, oh, it's the, the underwater cinematic universe. Yeah, right, right. I 100 percent was like, this is we're going to get that. We're going to get Davy Jones again, just like floofing around on the seafloor. And and I I was like, oh, we are going to see a cavern in this. That's like a fucking abyss sized rift. It's going to be 18 million miles wide and deep. And then it was just like 
kind of bubbly, fuzzy video. It was like, mm, this I'm, is our... I'm not selling the menace here. We're not getting the it menace. It happens in medical. It happens in uh, medical thrillers too, where mm-hmm. they'll point at an X-ray and they're like, "Look at that!" And the doctor stared at like it's you know horrifying, and then we see it, and it's like, "What? I don't see literally." Yeah, it's any like that looks like a shadow on a spine, <laughs> and I know that I don't know that could be an alien or it could just be a bulged disc. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's always a risk. You never know if it's going <laughs> to be a, a risk. If it's a kaiju or if it's, you know, an ulcer. <laughs> you don't know. I do when appreciate you're looking that in our own body if it's a kaiju yeah. or if it's an ulcer. You if don't I could know. get serious for one second. Yes. How does this not happen every day that we pull oil out of the uh, ground? Dude. How does this not happen every day? It's no, insane. Is, the technology I, that it goes this into like, this stuff. When I really watch football and I'm like, how is anybody walking off that field alive? And when I drive around L.A. and it's a six lane freeway, I'm like, how are we how are and how is this not death race every day? And then you watch something like this and it's like the really bad things are going to happen. But the fact that this isn't what's happening every fucking day is unbelievable that we are pulling this off at all. All. I mean, just the building. Shocking. Uh, if you want to fall into a a fun rabbit hole one night, go on YouTube and just look at the construction of you these know, I oil think I'm rigs. Gonna. I think I'm going to do that because I need to know. It's staggering how, how long and uh, how deep these things go because uh, I saw a-, a Is it like um, the biggest cranes in the world? No, Is that it's how literally the biggest structure in the world, but they, t- you know, but they're larger than the largest skyscraper, but because- 85% of their height is underwater. It, right. it kind of goes unnoticed in a way. I mean, no, look, this is the one I time I will science, say you got to hand it to an engineer. I will never, <laughs> never give engineers credit for anything except for maybe oil rigs. Have you dated are... engineers, Amanda? Is no, that why? I've just worked like I've just it, I've it, when I was in school for geology, I interacted with a lot of them. And then when you sell engagement rings, you can always tell who an engineer is because like, the questions they ask are very specific, annoying questions. <laughs> like I, I remember a friend of mine growing up, her dad was an engineer and their whole family around him was like, don't argue with an engineer. No, you never, don't. That, never argue with an engineer. That's oh, my, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I got that beat. A friend of mine's dad is Harry Stamper and he was sent into outer space to drill a hole <laughs> yeah. in an asteroid. He saved us all. He saved That's us true. all. That's true. And he wasn't an he engineer. He was just, <laughs> yeah. he was just he, an, he was just, hound. Yeah, I'm an ru- oil man. He was, <laughs> a, he was a roughneck. <laughs> God. God, I no, love it was, those guys. I I really I I like that we get like this movie does a great job similarly to to the quake and the wave with like we get that little slice of life mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like you know it doesn't feel really melodramatic. It's we not don't like, get like animal crackers on the stomach. Exactly. Show their also- there aren't the animal crackers on the boobs. Like yeah. that's not what's happening. Like I love that. I love a lens flare, but it's nice yeah. and it makes like it makes everything that's gonna come after like they they get everybody off those oil rigs besides Stian. And you are like really concerned. Like I didn't like I didn't really have much going for me with Stan, but I was so invested in Sophie and her feelings for him that I was like, we got to get him out of here. Yeah, like we we I, we were just at a barbecue with this guy. He can't die. We're just at a fucking barbecue with this guy. Just a normal everyday barbecue on a coastal town. And I really want. I needed her to get him out alive. That's a great point. They did such a good job of like 
concisely giving us Sophia's commitment issues. We didn't have to yeah. get yeah again like that yeah, that hour for life. I got my life. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, yeah and, and we, we would have a lot more to talk about if it was a two and a half hour Roland Emmerich <laughs> dork fest because but because <laughs> right. it's because it's relatively sober and relatively straightforward and really handsomely made and efficient and simple. There's not nothing to make fun of. No. It's just a good, solid movie. What else yeah. is there to say? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I just think it's 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 one of those things where it's so it, it's just so well, like we said, it's so well done. And but it's well done in that way where, like, they're taking all of they they've taken all of the meat off of a disaster movie and have mm. just or all the fat off of it. And it's just straight up lean. And yeah. it's really lean it's so mean we even get yeah we even get disaster child who i mean i personally do think caused the landslide by running his (laughs) his rc truck along the sea but i love the little detail we get of her of sophie with the child yes where she is like soldering the Mm -hmm. car back together for him where it's like yeah she's like the cool one like she's yeah. a scientist. She's the able and capable one. I like that, you know, I like that it was it was it was not a damsel in distress. I like to I pretend love, that it, yeah. I like to pretend that it's the same couple from the first two movies. The first two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we haven't we haven't talked about the quake on this pod yet. Yes. So don't spoil so it. So no for spoilers. Amanda's I have not oh, seen oh, the I'm quake. Sorry. No, all I'm gonna oh, say no, no, is no, not th- at all. You didn't, but I was just like, ooh, before they we are, say they too are much. They are directly connected. The wave and uh, this the quake is the sequel. This yes, is I the, know. The, Okay, sorry. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, no, but I do, but, you know, the, the idea of the, you know, with the wave, we did get a nice sense of, like, this is a couple who's having some problems. Yeah. But without going again into that, like, American melodrama place. And with this, we got a really succinct, this is a couple who probably has a little friction about what he wants versus what she wants. But, like, we don't get a whole thing. I'm so grateful we don't get a whole thing where it's, like, she wasn't she's she doesn't want to be a mom to the stepson. Yeah. Like, it, and there's, there's like no, some kind of ultimatum involved. Yeah. And then at the end of it, she's hugging him and we can see that she's learned how to be maternal oh. through through safety <laughs> yeah. and disaster. Boiler like plate. she already liked the child. So yeah. even if even if Stian had died out there, she wouldn't have inherited a disaster child that she had no concern or love for. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, this is I just want this little grouping to keep going. And I love that. Mm. I loved how they just kind of smooth executed that um and just again i mean steen is as you said steen is basically like he's fridged for most of this movie <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. why i find it fascinating he keeps getting hurt and knocked out yeah he's just <laughs> like, unconscious wait, for yeah, most of this let's film figure out, let's figure out his route okay he, they're all about to be evacuated yeah he gets sent down to turn off a certain valve that has yes. to be turned off then they have to leave without him yeah because there are large waves yeah he gets stuck in this long this tube that goes all the way down yeah like like in one of the like the legs yeah and there is air in there but above him is completely flooded yes yes and his wife somehow figures out that where he's located they find yeah they they use yeah they use a the heat the heat lasers Well, when they're back at hq they realize that like a sensor goes off in the hq monitors where it's like an access door was open from the hatch that connected to one of the legs and she's like i'm gonna go fucking check it out and thankfully stian's sister like works in what seems like the coast guard yeah and she's like we're gonna get you out there because you need to find my fucking brother i i at first i was like wow secret mission she's stealing a very what i would assume is a very expensive piece of technology yeah but i kind of think it's just that like norway is so small that everyone's related and 
So you can just be like, look, are you telling me that I'm not going to save your sister's cousin's boyfriend? And they're like, yeah, sorry, go, go take the expensive piece of technology. Cause like, it's a very, I mean, this isn't just, oh, she steals the thing. She steals the submersible and then gets on a secret mission airdropped onto the rig by the Coast Guard. Like that's- it is the most unfussy secret mission airdrop you could With possibly have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with with dear Arthur, who's like, you're not going out there alone. Poor, oh. oh, Arthur, poor Arthur, justice for Arthur. <laughs> I do think like Arthur could have hit that lever, jumped into the hatch, and then they closed it behind him. No, I, think- I was like, there should be, there has to be some sort of rope they could attach to that where he could pull it. <laughs> yeah, and then close the door. Not in, like, not in the three seconds they had to decide. No, it's it was such a. I was, I imagined him diving. It would have been a very Avengers move. Yes. To like, op- like pull, dive through, hole as r- rescue ship is dropping, and then somebody pull door behind him and latch it before they get to the water. It would have been a very complicated operation. It would have like, been very complicated. But no, you nailed it. This is literally like a, a third of a Roland Emmerich movie. Only- it's a third yeah. of one. Yeah. Right. It's a third but of because one. Because I think, here's why. I think that... Filmmakers all over the world obviously know and and remember Towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure and other mm. Irwin Allen. And it seems like Roland Emmerich is slavishly devoted to that formula. Whereas mm. in other other filmmakers and filmmakers in other countries, you're like, all right, I'm going to take a couple of set pieces and a couple of horrible death scenes and maybe a mm-hmm. few character tropes. Beyond that, I'm not going to make it an all-star cast three-hour movie <laughs> larger than life. This is about five characters, you know? It's almost yeah. like this is this this is like watching the movie within a within a Roland Emmerich movie. It's like <laughs> watching the movie that like an Emmerich movie starts. No, with right. Like that, before, like there's and a three-hour like, and, and then forty-five. Add, 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 and then just like keep putting fucking shit on this thing. And like, it's fucking shit that I love, but it's almost like, oh yeah, this is the disaster movie. And all the other stuff is like ornaments on the tree. No, yeah, or, or, that's a great uh, point. Feels exactly like uh, there was a three hour and 10 minute version. And the studio executive said, look, these five characters are all anyone cares about. Cut all the avalanche stuff, cut all the earthquake stuff, all these kids, all these teenagers, cut all everything. And all we have left is now an hour and 45 minutes, and it's good. Well, and that was what that was what was interesting. You know, I'm, let's just make this a whole conversation about comparative literature of disaster movies. Um, that was the thing that I, I found. It felt so much in Moonfall. Like, that movie was about, it was two hours and ten minutes. And it felt so much that like, it had been three hours and ten minutes. And that they were like, Roland, you got two hours and ten minutes. And he's like... I cannot do it. And they were like, we don't give a shit what you cut. It's just got to be 210. Like, it felt like there was more movie around it that just got almost indiscriminately lopped off. It's a well, weird yeah, because you had to how sorry. random and erratic it was. It's well, yeah, because it's... Feeling. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to... I'm sorry, you go. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a weird feeling. Um, when you... It's like having a missing limb in a way, I think. Uh, you know, where... You, you're watching a movie, you're like, 
four pieces are missing and I don't know what they were. <laughs> I don't know what they like, were. Like, like there was interplay between these three characters and there was a, we, we, we missed obviously a scene where they traveled from point B yes. to point C, yes, but now did. they're in point C and we, <laughs> yeah. now they're referring to an argument that we didn't see. So that's another scene. I'm yeah. sorry, uh, Amanda, you go, I keep cutting you off. No, that was, I, you're absolutely right. It, it does. It feels like there's a little bit of that, like exquisite corpseness to it where you're just like, what? <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. It really does. It does. And I think like that's and what's so funny is that all the stuff that felt missing from Moonfall is stuff that didn't need to be there because Mm -hmm. Roland clearly was given a choice between look, he was clearly given a choice. You can either explain further the relationship between the shitty son and his stepdad. Or you can have a whole sequence where like the information gets directly downloaded into the main character's brain and we just get like 20 minutes of exposition about uh, ancient aliens and Roland Emmerich. Yeah. And Roland Emmerich was like, no, no, no. I want to, we're keeping 20 minutes of ancient aliens. Fuck all that emotion. (laughs) And like, unfortunately, because it's a Roland Emmerich movie. And so therefore all of the characters are intertwined and you can't lift them directly out. (laughs) Like you can't cut out, the au pair that we thought was Halle Berry's girlfriend. Yep. You can't cut her out. Twist. She's not, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> no, I dropped she... out of that movie with Sam Weinman. And he was like, but at least he's like, oh my God, that was so funny. He's like, and I didn't expect it to be gay. And I was like, hold on, which part, what's gay about it? And he was like, well, Halle Berry and her girlfriend. I was like, oh yeah. No, no. I was no. like, I'm with you, but also no. And he was like, wait, what? what? I really he appreciate that five of five people that, you, wait, is that five? That's four. Four of four of us thought immediately like you thought it Sam thought it I thought it Van thought it and we were all very different degrees of queer yeah right? well, yeah meaning you zero percent Amanda yeah um, <laughs> yeah. I mean so that's very not her- pro but not unfortunately not and Alan, I want to no no because because it's explicitly like she's explicitly there as a exchange she's student an exchange student yeah they say it in the movie oh, right but then yeah. she kissed yeah. her no they hug they All hug. Right. All right. No, that's why that, that was what I was like, oh, they're clearly together. And then it's like, it's weird that she just didn't kiss her leaving the house. That's weird. She didn't. I wonder if they're on the outs. And then it was like, oh, it's like a foreign exchange student. Oh, yeah. Okay, she's just it. like, she's a foreign exchange well, student. I mean, it, teaching Halle Berry's son look, Mandarin. If you saw, uh, if I saw you two guys hug, I wouldn't think anything. I would just think they're right, friends. Right. We didn't wake up but, together with one of us in a robe. Right. right. But in a movie, when they have two <laughs> characters hug, there, there's generally a reason that yeah, they especially when they're saying goodbye to each other. Yeah, like and that. one right. of them is talking about like taking the care kids. of the other's child. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now that is that is officially five of five of us all thought at yep. some point yep. that Halle Berry's au pair in that film was her partner. Yep. Okay, now that since since we have since we have you on the pod, Scott, I want to consult your you know your film journalist, your genre specialist. I want to hear from you a bit if you have any thoughts about like. About, like, genre structure of, like, international horror. Let's focus on, like, European. We can focus on, like, sort of Scandinavian, maybe Andre Overdahl, movies like The Quake, The Wave, uh, Thelma, uh, Troll Hunter. Like, uh, what love is, what, Troll Hunter. What is the... What is a sort of quintessential aspect that that separates that cinema to you from American cinema and sort of what you've observed? And, and you're a producer, too. Like, you approach things from a structural point of view, from a construction point of view. Well, of the Norwegian or Scandinavian horror films, I guess, that I've seen, sure. I mean, there's, we. Uh, 
a lot of stuff seems obviously inspired by American horror of a certain mm-hmm. era. For example, like Cold Prey is a really yes. cool, um, I believe it's Swedish. Yeah, uh, it's Swedish horror slasher film, which plays a lot like um, like a Friday the 13th in, in the snow. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that those were borrowing some DNA from American horror, which obviously was borrowing DNA from Italian slasher aka mm. jalo horror mm. so but as far as the structure goes i think that i mean troll hunter has a real i think it's a, a fanciful sense of humor kind yeah, of in a way yeah. like a, very little is taken seriously mm-hmm. um there there's always room for a kind of like a, a cock-eyed wink in these mm-hmm. in these horror movies in dead and it, snow i think even. the same is true of the the upcoming movie hatching um which played at sundance and is about to have a, in a couple of weeks it's wide release and i, I, I feel like too that's a it's a finished film and there is this like well, i hope it's finished if someone bought it, it yeah, somebody bought it thank god it's not a work in progress um i get it it's from finland i, I actually <laughs> have a screener access to it but i haven't watched it yet and i hear it's quite good it's very good and they're oh like, you've seen it good yes yes oh. it's very good and it's there's just I, I think a thing that a thing that European horror is sort of we understand European art house is it I, that's where I sort of credit the 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 horror boom as it exists uh, as it has existed the past few years like obviously Get Out was a spurring was a catalyzing factor sort of like at a big big marrying big budget to small budget level mainstream sensibility to the art house but I peg this kind of resurgence to um, let the right one let in. Let the right one in. Yes. Good. yes. As soon as you said the sentence, yes. I knew the statement. Yeah. Let the right I, one in is Sweden. I was wrong, by the way. Cold Prey is Norwegian. It's from oh, Norway, okay. Okay. And I think that, like, they're just, like, what came into horror was this, like, well, that sense of, like, you know, well, it's elevated horror. But it's just, like, it was just taking a straight drama and then putting that, like, little twist on perspective into it to make it something pure terror. But, like, I feel like that's sort of, I feel like American films, we really specialize, I feel like, in going sensation first. And it feels like European genre specializes in putting sort of, like, drama melodrama first and then building the adornments around that so when you have something like quake wave burning sea it does feel too like it starts from that original cell really adeptly of like we're gonna do sensation and there's gonna be a huge wave in the fjord or there's gonna be a whole quake that takes out helsinki or the entire ocean's gonna get set on fire but first a family drama (laughs) yeah there is an interesting marriage of genres tones Rare Exports is a fantastic yeah. film. Yeah, oh, excellent. Uh, watch it uh, during the Christmas season. It's called Rare yeah, Exports. Yeah, Amanda, that's a great, uh, we found film. we found Demon Santa. Oh, um, lovely. Not yeah. going to watch it during the Christmas season, but I'm <laughs> thrilled that Demon Santa's been located. And all of his Black Peter minions um, running throughout the landscape, and they are all old nude men. <laughs> like really old nude men well if you're around. gonna have them be old why wouldn't they be really old <laughs> yeah not like yeah. oh that's a handsome 60 like yeah like, like i know i would assume that this is not sagging like, yeah I, I figured that like we weren't dealing with costners running through the norwegian <laughs> yeah. countryside like that did not seem yeah not that like i i not to categorize like kevin costner or such as but like oh no that's like not like, oh, wow, we really hold up a lot better than we used to. It was like the casting was like, let's find some grizzled specimens yeah. out here. Yeah, that's so what, I, as like, soon as you say, care of themselves. when you say that demon Santa's helpers are old naked men, I assume <laughs> 
that it's going to be old naked men. I don't want to see old and yeah. naked. Like that yeah, just, that didn't need, yeah. That it's was not going to be like the, the gay 2000s softcore version of that where right. it's just a bunch of handsome nude men running around the snow. No, I I think that goes without saying. They're like, you know, demon Santa's not bringing out the, <laughs> the silver foxes to now, torment the countryside. Another question I would have for you, Scott, is if you... What would sort of your perfect marriage for a disaster movie be in terms of like an, an international sensibility, let's say like Finland, for example, and an American sensibility as well? Like what what sort of what movie do you think sort of captures the drama gravitas that those international offerings can bring us with like the big bombast that Americans oh, I got can it. do? I oh, got what it. is you, it? You want a a a flawless, beautiful, phenomenal thrilling action movie that's funny has a wide varied international cast it's armageddon okay so is that like your sort of platonic ideal <laughs> no i was being facetious i, I, I think i think hey, that listen. i did not think that scott was being serious on that one when you're like going into the european sensibility i, I, I am not gonna less. judge anybody's tastes here on the disaster pod for what disaster i do like armageddon and my favorite segment of Armageddon is when they pick up Peter Stormare and they, within like literally 15 minutes, just literally destroy this goddamn space station and have to get out. <laughs> and then in a sequence that makes no sense, yeah, the thing is plummeting towards them mm -hmm. as if there were gravity. As and if there were gravity. And, and they're like, go, go, go. And I always <laughs> thought, and I just recently revisited 1979's The Black Hole, which has the spark, Ooh, the, the, the DNA of what I think could be a wonderful disaster movie if Roland Emmerich doesn't direct it. And it is, say, 75 years in the future, and it's a space station, not just a small utilitarian space station for Russians and American cosmonauts uh -huh. and astronauts, but a space station where government representatives are and there's mm -hmm. food and there are like you can literally go up there and come right. back down it's not a giant sprawling city but right. it's let's say the size of a cruise ship and all hell's breaking loose and everybody has to get on these ships and get off and go home that that to me that's the disaster movie i would want to make with an international cast give okay me, give me 400 million dollars and i'll call it a space station carnage <laughs> perfect <laughs> Space Station Carnage coming soon. And who who do you think is who's an untapped disaster movie director out there that should be giving us these kind? Because obviously we know Roland. Roland does his mm -hmm. thing. Like we we know what Michael Bay brings to the table. We know what Spielberg brings to the table. Who who do you think could carry this mantle? Um, I am double checking the name. If you hear me typing right now, it is Rick Roman Woe who did Greenland. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. God, I, I think damn. it's Wall. I'm not sure how his last name is pronounced, but he's a good director. Yeah. And that... uh, I did not love Greenland, but I respected oh that they tried to bring some actual drama to what is normally just digital carnage and mayhem. Man, yeah. I loved Greenland. Yeah. Uh, that that was, that was, love seeing Marina Bakarin out there at the meaty role. Gerard mm -hmm. Butler giving me drama, giving me pathos. I was a mess. That movie made that, me a mess. That movie is the most stressed I have been watching Gerard <laughs> Butler do anything. Right. Like right, I never yeah. that stressed out watching Gerard Butler. I was <laughs> I was anxious that whole film. No, I was about halfway through it. Maybe not even halfway. Maybe like a half an hour and I'm like, 
right, it's gonna. It, it's obviously does have the cliches and tropes and stereotypes that it, that's inevitable. But there's actual effort here to draw some character. It's not uh-huh. just. It's not just. He's a weatherman. She's a lawyer. They got two kids. Hit him with a camper. <laughs> Hit him with a camper. Right. There's actual character building in this one. And I, it kind you know. of, I honestly feel like it, it was a satire, but I feel like for impact, I feel like don't look up was honestly trying to be what Greenland is. Yes. That's uh, we, like I said, that was the, it, it, we started the year, uh, the 2021 season for us with Greenland season. and we ended with don't look up and Greenland was the superior mm. film. Yeah. Uh, oh God. I, I mean, I, on many I, levels, but I, think I truly was- admire the effort. I really think that Don't Look Up has a lot of good things, important things, and a few clever things to say. Sure. I just think if you don't, like, then you don't believe in global warming, apparently. So that's <laughs> yeah. the only choice you have, Scott. Right, but it feels like it feels like, um, let's say the three of us, we talked for four hours and then somebody came in, a really good editor came in and said, mm, there's 90 minutes of great stuff here. The other two yeah. and a half hours you got to get rid of. That's what Don't Look Up felt like to me. It felt like some really clever bits surrounded by lots of wheel spinning. Yeah, yeah. it did. It did feel like bits amidst an, other things. An mm-hmm. excellent SNL reoccurring sketch. Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, some uh, you put that many talented people in a room, you're going to get a couple of bits and a couple of clever moments. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the filmmakers are smart people. I just, I don't know. Satire is a really difficult bike to ride. Mm. Satire is really difficult, especially when you're very self-important. Yeah. And that makes it, that makes things harder. Um, And that's why, I feel like that's why, that's one of the things we, I feel like we are very emphatic about here on the Disaster Girls podcast is like, there isn't room for self-importance when you are going to judge Moontastrophe alongside Moonfall. Like you've got to, you got to check your hubris at the door, man. Yeah. Because we are here to talk about fire twisters. And we are here to talk about, and we are here to talk about twister twisters. Yeah, we're so here. Like, we're covering we're the gamut. We're, we're doing say, we're doing Pandora. We're doing emotional say, devastation. Oh Sorry, God. I thought we were going to say titty twisters. Yes, <laughs> if, the, if that's a disaster movie on Tubi, if that is a Tubi disaster movie, then it will be covered on this podcast. Oh, I feel like that could have been like a in the in the Piranha 3D universe. Yeah. And like starring Tom Green from 2000. Oh, Piranha 3DD Part 3 Titty Twister. We still go. haven't, we we still need to cover uh, Piranha 2 on this podcast, Amanda. I the really one Amanda accidentally watched thinking it was Piranha 1. I really I, wouldn't, yeah. Oh no, I, you should. It's so good. That oh, initial remake that Aja directed is pretty decent. That next yeah. one is, Oh, it's great time. The really next one's just cardboard. bananas. <laughs> and and a, a, a good friend of mine co-wrote it. And I'm sorry, Marcus. I'm sorry. No, let him let him know <laughs> sorry, I had Marcus. such a good time that I actually I I really, really, really want to cover it on the podcast because I had such a good time watching it. You know what? You know, here's my suggestion. Wait, was that From, Marcus Dunstan? Yeah. The collect the collection is that the second yeah. one? The second one, yes. Underrated movie. Yeah, he's a good the filmmaker. collector, good writer. Yeah, fine. The collection, really good time. And um, Emma Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. I believe, who starred in that, 
fucking tremendous. And I also, think Emma yeah, uh, and, and Marcus continue to collaborate, and I hope to see more from them in the future. Yes, also to Marcus's co-writer, Patrick Melton, uh, another really good guy. Um, so uh, they have some other stuff coming up that I, I'm not allowed to talk about. So, Look at all the tributaries we're leading you guys down on today. This is this is film oh, yeah, Twitter insider business. This is today. extremely Twitter, inside film Twitter. What a great name that would be for a podcast. Oh yeah. God, I would never. Wait, read. which wait? Film wait. Twitter, the podcast. No. Oh my God, you want to talk that about would, a curse goddamn podcast? You right want to talk about my hell on earth? Like just beat me over the head with film Twitter, the podcast. It would be like you do it every two weeks, and it, it would be like the things that everybody raged about. Oh, oh my like, God. Like on, the things on, that everybody raged about that they pretended right. like they were so well, mad yeah, was like, happening when they were just feeding off last the drama. Thursday, everybody was ready to cancel Nathan Fillion because he yelled at this girl at a Starbucks. But then the next day <laughs> we realized it wasn't Nathan Fillion. It was just some construction worker from Toledo who looked just like him. <laughs> Either that or it was a scene from like Rookie. It was a scene from The Rookie and everybody right. reali- thought it was real. And then the next day, Weinberg made a stupid joke about Scarface 83. <laughs> and he got... <laughs> Got pilloried and retweeted all day. You know day. what it would be? It would be it would be a YouTube drama channel. Like that's all this would oh, be. Yeah. It's just it like film Twitter the podcast would just be a drama channel like they have for YT stars and their yes. internecine yeah. bullshit. That's exactly what it is. Well, if we're gonna just keep spreading to tributaries, we did mention Tubi. Your listeners will enjoy a Chinese volcano movie called Skyfire. Oh, I'm so, we, that's on our list of movies we need to cover. Skyfire is the one, Jordan, that's set like in a in a, um, in a a park and it has like a random, it has an American actor in it. Chris Isaac, he was yeah. saying earlier. You can't, yeah. no, you it's can't go a wrong complete, with it's a, it's a completely Chinese movie. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. It has uh, a, a completely Chinese cast and crew except for two names. Co-star Jason Isaacs and director Simon West. That's that okay. Was, the yeah. Simon West part is the thing that I find most funny. I absolutely love an American popping up in a Chinese film. Totally, give and me it's not Wolf Rennie Warrior Harlan. Two. Well, give me Frank Grillo. Give Rennie, me Frank Grillo in there. Rennie Harlan's like, actually finished my bit. <laughs> Rennie, like I, I feel like Dave Batista is like in maybe oh. a, a drunken master movie or like not one of the It Men, but something oh, like that. You, then you probably love my buddy Liam's movie Skylines. Because oh, has, me like, and Le- Liam has Liam, been on the Liam pod. Liam came on for Independence Day. Oh, Friend of the pod, wait, Liam O'Donnell, yeah. gem of a dude, a big mensch. fucking, big fucking hot dad, Liam O'Donnell. Shouts out to that. Gotta, gotta credit the hard work. Oh, yeah. Meathead Twitter, you're doing good work out there. Um, Yeah, he he is, and I fucking love Skylines. I, I love the second one, I think, of the three. I like them all, but I think the second one is still my favorite. I love part three though. He, he, yeah. uh, I, I helped him out a little bit on that in post and I had such a ball. I, I, I made the movie slightly gorier. I gave him notes. And <laughs> there's a couple of now blood splatters or little bodies popping open that weren't there before. Uh, and speaking of four, there might be a part four. I've it's, read it and it's, it's fucking rad. Yeah, it's rad. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Scott, it's, what, what other, what other uh, things can't you tell us that you can talk around that we can, we can make this an insider movies podcast oh, for the week? Well, all right. I'll let you guys in on a super secret. Scoop. Okay, great. There's a horror movie coming out this summer mm. that nobody has seen unless you were at one of three film festivals last year. <laughs> you guys might've seen it. It's called The Black Phone. Has Black Phone not come out yet? No, it was pushed back due to uh, pandemic concerns. I could have sworn Black... I've seen posters in yeah, cinemas for Black Phone. it was Phone. supposed to come out last, late last year, but now it's coming out in June. 
So, you know, that's why you see the extended. No wonder I haven't seen Black Phone. I had honestly had a conversation with somebody the other day where I was like, yeah, it's weird I haven't seen Black Phone yet. Like, really how did good. I miss that one? I'm not going to spoil okay. anything, but it's really good. Yeah, from uh, from the team who brought you Sinister. Correct. Uh, C. Robert Cargill and Scott Derrickson back together again with Ethan Hawke, the Black Phone, ladies and gentlemen. It is about a kid who is kidnapped. Period. End of story. <laughs> period. Amanda, horror yeah. movies abound for you. I'm, as you know, I'm just like, can't wait to get the, that list together of things that I won't be watching. <laughs> of things for, of things, a list of things you Amanda, can avoid to preserve mm-hmm. your safe, your mental health and well-being. What's exactly. This, what movie scared you the most? I just don't like the experience of watching scary movies. Like, that's just no, not no. a thing did no, you no. have did you have the one that was like, oh, never again? Because no, I remember I just, Matt Kolsky told yeah. me Event Horizon. I am a huge horror nut, but I mean, I have no problem with people like it's like some people like vanilla. Some people like butter yeah. pecan, uh, you know, like you don't butter have pecan, to. Yum. But my point is, I want to know to someone who's very um, averse to horror. Yeah. Which ones can you name that have scared you? I mean, like I genuinely haven't watched them. I don't like I don't I don't watch them. I don't seek them out. It is not something I enjoy. So it's just like I watched. I know what you did last summer when it came out. And I was like, well, this is stupid. Like, friend of friend of the pod. Matt Kolsky has a guideline that is are the characters in the movie scared? Too scary. Reasonable. I like that. <laughs> you know what? He, I he's mean, like I that's think, a little overly broad, but pretty true. Honestly. I think that's like a fair. That's fair. I, it, <laughs> are they are they? So scared? then that would mean a movie where everybody dies suddenly without being scared before getting killed. Well, that's not a film. That that's, <laughs> that's a mass murder. There's two different that's things. If all the, if all the characters are just suddenly dead with and then. <laughs> Like that's not a horror well, that's movie. The that's, that's, yeah. the that's, no that's, that's the leftovers. That's the leftovers. That's there's no plot there. That's not a film. That's just sad. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I just like it's just it's not that I'm like oh I'm too scared. I just I have no interest in it. Like I I uh, we talked about this. Drag me to hell. That was one yeah. that I was like I had to go see it and I left after like 20 minutes because I was like this is scary. And I don't need to constantly be like, I live alone in an apartment. I don't need to constantly be imagining like goats in my windows. I don't need that in my life. There's and the answer so, I wanted. There's the answer. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. you go. Like that, goat, that's the, a good example. I guess. goat yeah. from Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I just don't need this in my life. Why am I here? I, like, I don't ask to deal with that. Kind I mean, of it wasn't even like I was like, oh, I'm scared. I was just like, I don't enjoy this experience. Like, well, I, don't I get, get it. Yeah. I get it. You could have somebody hop off a roller coaster and go, wow, that was great. And someone else go, I didn't like it. I feel dizzy and a little sick. So you know, a little sick. Uh, go have a ball. I'm going to have a hot dog and go on the roller coaster six yeah. times while I chill here and look at my phone. Yeah, I think like I think genuinely like twenty minutes to drag me to hell maybe is probably the best answer I can give for that. Leaving like, early for that particular film was probably smart because I am a very seasoned horror fan and Jordan will back me up on this. That movie has a very disturbing ending. Yeah, it fucking does. She gets dragged to hell because she was doing her job. I also <laughs> like I yet she again, really is because she was doing her job. Like but I, she was yet, doing it rudely. No, That's she wasn't. Ma- she works in customer service. I am sorry. <laughs> Any movie where somebody customer, customer service, service POV on this. When if you are working a customer service job, that that movie was like getting fired for a shitty Yelp review. Like <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Amanda supposed to be got, about Amanda getting cursed for a shitty Yelp review. Like if you don't think I 
almost no, got this is a great once. drag me to hell hot take because it's written <laughs> like a morality tale, like yes. an old EC comic, which is oh, in, in the in the old comic books, it would have been she got drugged to hell at the end because she was overtly cruel and dismissive to a poor <laughs> yeah. person. But in this movie, she's just a, a little bit brusque because her boss is an asshole and she's, she's doing she, yeah, her she's job. She's the whims of capitalism. Yes. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, I want the boss should have been dragged to hell. That's my <laughs> the thing. Bank. Why okay, are we doing this bank to Allison Pill? To yeah, don't drag Allison Pill to hell. Loman, Allison Loman. Allison Loman, she just wants fucking health insurance. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot begrudge somebody who's like, God, no, I No, you're to do so this. right. If, 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 if she deserves to be dragged to hell so does her manager the regional manager and whoever wrote those guidelines and yes. that fucking guy who tried to take her job from her who did end up taking her job from her like i'm sorry and yes. justin long fuck him too and justin long <laughs> just saw justin long do a couple episodes i'm, I'm re-binging new girl because it's one of the best sitcoms ever and it just had like a four episode binge with justin long i, I remember how in in small doses justin long is quite likable yes Yes, yeah. he he has the he has the problem is he's got David Schwimmer vibes and much like <laughs> with David Schwimmer where you're like, it's not used correctly 99% of the time. And when it's used correctly, it's very compelling. But he, that's why I think his, his it's the his invermectin run. of Justin Long <laughs> acting is the invermectin. Well, this, is, this is the this is where this is like a real this is a real uh, point of power for underwater, perhaps the use case for T.J. Miller. Closest we've ever gotten, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Still, still in that film, like independent. I did like the cast. I did like what they were going for with the the characters they assembled. T.J. Miller was still like, "Woof, okay, we're really just strapping in with this character, aren't we?" <laughs> it's unfortunate, okay. obviously, because that, as you probably both know, that film was made like two and a half years before it came out. And therefore, yes. Yes. all the T.J. Miller shit happened and no. came out in that intervening time. But T.J. Miller still existed as an actor and character <laughs> who made choices that were T.J. Miller choices that none yes. of us wanted. Like, yes. this is independent of disliking T.J. Miller as a human. This is T.J. Miller as a character in a movie is so much T.J. Miller. Yeah. And, and it was like, could you do it? Could you go against type just once? Hey, I have an idea. Time. How about this? I'll just One be the slobby frat bro who is uh, sarcastic <laughs> yeah. and derisive to everyone. Hey, you're going to do that again? All right. Good. Wow. Go for it, bro. Going to make right, some I'm gonna, dry comments? That's so edgy, TJ I'm going to I'm going to drag us back on message and yes. I'm going to say, what do we now coming back to the burning sea? Do we have any do we have any thoughts on what this movie is really about, Amanda? What do you think? What is this movie really about? Oh, I think this movie is is about commitment. Oh, okay. I think this movie is about commitment and the traumas we carry from past relationships. And no, mm. I'm not just saying that because I am going through it this week that emotionally. That is not what you're saying it for. No, I am saying independently that, you know, we're all building our oil rigs on the seafloor. <laughs> and the problem is we can't control if we're building our oil. Well, we can control it because we do have efficient mapping, but... <laughs> exist. But like sometimes you build your, your oil rig on a former landslide. Yeah. And Ooh, you do. You're so you right. A giant robotic penis to come rescue you. You, you do. That that does help a lot. But you know, you're That's building what I hear. You're building that that oil rig on a, a former landslide and you just gotta look at it and go, okay, 
we've got this landslide happening. Are we going to both get out alive? Mm-hmm. Are we going to work together and are we going to look to the future? Or are we going to let ourselves be dragged to the bottom of the ocean or lit on fire by a burning <laughs> sea? And so that is what I think this is about. This is about not letting commitment fears. Yeah. Sophia does not let her commitment fears. Ultimately, she commits mm-hmm. by going back to that oil rig, finding her man, pulling him out, and then moving yep. in with him. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to say, by the way, the thing I forgot. To, so the variety review of this, guys. Oh, yeah. Guess how many paragraphs they get in before they mention Sophia? Four. Four. Seven seven out of eight. <laughs> what? They, what are they talking about? Steon's the main character, according to the Variety Review. Stop it. No. He's the, you know, they, they lead with him. He is knocked unconscious for the entire <laughs> finale. It is. Let me let me give you the first line of it. Oh, my God. In the Burning <clears throat> Sea, which is your basic everyday Norwegian oil rig disaster thriller, Steon, a rig worker stationed on a drilling platform that's about to collapse, must descend into the bowels of the rig to shut down a well that can't be reached remotely. That happens off camera. I know. Is this that guy? Did Guy write this review? A guy wrote this. Oh, (laughs) because there's that guy guy who. No, no, no. A guy, a guy named Owen wrote it. And yeah. Gleberman? Yeah. Yeah. Ellickson. Gleberman. Yeah. Yep, Gleberman does not mention Sophia until seven out of the eight paragraphs. <laughs> when you finally get Sophia, so not only yourself. is she not only is she the hero who goes to rescue yes. the the trapped person, she's also the inventor of the fucking machine that does You're it. So yes, right. <laughs> it's like the one. She is the who person they can call. She gets mentioned in the bottom half of the seventh paragraph. And she's really good. Yeah, she's quite. She's the, the, great. The, the, the whole cast is good, but she's really she sells it when she's like the I whole will, movie is I about will her. Commandeer a helicopter and go by myself. You're like, fuck yes, yeah, she will. She will. Yeah, I, I <laughs> well, guys, according to Glenn or Owen, the suspense comes from how Stian in heading underground to shut down that well got trapped before he could be evacuated. I swear to God, this man didn't watch the film. Well, Christina is his Thorpe, girl. You did a wonderful job as Sophia, and this is some fucking trash. Sophia yeah. is his girlfriend, and she and her robotics partner, Arthur. That's when we finally get a mention of Sophia. Oh, and, and as her third role, she's also, oh, here, mother my kid. Yeah. While, while, while everything else is going yeah. on, be responsible for a child's life, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I take it back. It is the fifth paragraph. Um, I, I missed it before. When Sophia, a robotics engineer who operates a snake-like ocean robot camera, shows the foreboding underwater footage she has captured to William. That's where we get mention of Sophia. Not that she's the main character. Not that she's doing anything. Not that she's single-handedly saving a grown-ass man from the depths of the ocean floor. No, no, no. She shows a robotics camera video to somebody, and she's a girlfriend. Well, so, I also just want to note that Kristen Kuyoth Thorpe has also starred in a movie called Ninja Baby. And hell I think yeah, that's worth saying. Sorry. I think that's worth saying. There's no, there's no combination of those two words that isn't going to be fucking great. Ninja Baby, Ninja Baby, either a baby ninja, 
She's <laughs> either a baby ninja. Could be a baby ninja. Could be like ninja comma baby exclamation point. Could be ninja baby like baby driver is like a, you know, a nickname for him. There's so many ways it could go. And every single one of those is something I want. So anyway, that's my point. I think that uh, this is about commitment, fears and commitment issues. And uh, yeah, because it's like obviously about environmentalism and stuff, but yeah. I don't even have it like that's I defer to that read on this movie. Yeah, it's like this commitment. isn't. Yeah, this is about this is about commitment issues. And uh, don't don't build your relationship on a landslide unless you're on willing to unless you're willing to physically body your boyfriend into an escape <laughs> into an escape rover and then uh and then manually while, while stepping over while stepping over your best friend's corpse exactly yeah. <laughs> watch out i love no but what always bothers me in these disaster movies it happens almost in every one one or two of the characters have this either horrific or memorable death and then three scenes later nobody ever says hey remember jack yeah. Yeah. Arthur, you guys. Oh, yeah. Right. Remember Ar- Arthur? Man. This one's for Arthur. Let's live our lives for, let's live our lives in, in memory, in Arthur's memory. I feel like there's probably a sequel that's just like Arthur's redheaded family. It's just like the entire, it's like the, it's just like a, it's just a Norwegian drama. Yeah, the lawsuit, about, the wrongful death suit. Yeah. About, yeah. yes. It's a Norwegian drama about basically the Weasley family, like mourning the loss of Arthur. No, that would be the the South Korean movie would be, would be like Shin Godzilla, <laughs> yes. where it turns like it, it becomes a brilliant satire that revolves around a wrongful death lawsuit. <laughs> and somehow it's two and a half hours, but extremely entertaining. And it's all about bureaucracy. <laughs> so do either of you guys have a what was this really about? I, no, I was it's it's just the environmentalism stuff. About. I, I love I'm sticking with your commitment, Reed. That's perfect. Thank you, Scott. Um, This movie is about hubris. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. a classic. Hubris. It's biting off more than you can chew. If you can't safely run these oil rigs without risking setting all of Europe's oceans on fire, then scale back your production, darn you Scandinavians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I do love that final line where it's like, we thought we were an oil country, but we're an ocean country. It was like, oh, look at that. Yeah, well, good luck good. putting an ocean in your yep. o- gas tank. <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> They'll find a way. <laughs> so how many then uh dreamcasting? I I'm not dreamcasting cuz I like this. I like these like down home Finnish actors. I I like their style. I don't want to dreamcast them out. Merritt Weaver in the American Ooh, remake. Oh, that, oh that's choice. nice. Yes. Bam, that mic, is nice. Mic drop. And uh as yeah. as her uh, as the boyfriend, let's give uh, Andrew Garfield a supporting role. Sure. Oh, I want to could... see him as a damsel in distress. That's a yeah, great there's idea. No, yeah. Chris Pine makes a good living playing a, da- a Danny in distress. No, <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with it. If I was I like if I was handsome movie star, I'd be thrilled to be a male. I damsel. love Merritt Weaver for that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I just love Christine Thorpe. I think she's a fantastic. I was fascinated by her. Uh, from the get-go. She's a great actor. She gives a fantastic performance. Uh, she anchors the whole movie. Yeah. Every, everyone's good. I mean, Stan yeah. too, but uh, he is not the main character. No, absolutely yeah. not. You know what? Man- to be to give Owen a little break, <laughs> the movie does have a kind of a dual head nature. He is the main character for the first 15 minutes or so. We follow no, him not. for the bit. Barely. 
He's the love interest. <laughs> he is the love interest from the start. Like 100%. He's the love interest. I think as soon as she's like, listen, be... he's got his life. I've got mine. It's like, yeah. oh, she's in charge here. She's in this driver's seat. It's, yeah, like right. we then, wake then up. We wake up. With... Because I did think for the beginning of the film, he was going to be the main character. He is not. Uh, but that could just be my testosterone talking. Maybe yeah, I'm... I think from the fact that we woke up with her. And that we get the whole we get that whole sequence through her point of view. There was never a moment where I was like, oh, this is going to be about him because uh, we got she was our point of view character from the start. But I yes. I was thinking I was thinking Kaya Kaya Scotolari Scotolario. Oh, yeah. that's the that's definitely the like the 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 like high octane like that's thriller I mean, version of this movie because is it, Kaya Scotolari. Well, because in my head, if we're gonna have to end up making this an American film, it's gonna sure. be amped up. It's gonna be as my, Vice Victus would say on Twitter, yeah. action packed white girl. Yes. Kaya that is her vibe. And like yeah. I feel like we're just we're gonna I love her. If it's an American movie, we're just gonna Michael Bay it up. And in the Michael Bay version of this it's Kaya. Um, <laughs> or or Olga Kurlenko. I'd want so much for Olga Kurilenko. I want Olga Kurilenko to have starring roles. But see, in good it's movies. not. It's not really I don't an know action role. Is. She does the act. She does the activity, but she's but not, she's not right. wielding a gun or beating anyone up. She's a smart character. No, so. but in in the American remake, there's going to at least be one to two sequences where she has to like go underwater, dive underwater, and open a door. <laughs> oh, or no, a yeah, there's going to be one or two corporate stooges on the rig who's like, "Get out of here! You're not rescuing yeah. him, Stan." Yeah. <laughs> No, she th- this is she's this is going to be a different movie if it's an American remake. And as a result, we need to have that kind of an action forward kind of main character. Um, and the only other thing I thought of was uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor for for um, a handsome man, just as like the general Gravitas. head of Saga like that. Yeah, he's just like he's the geologist backslash. head <laughs> yeah. of. He's the one who delivers all the exposition. In yeah, his he's gonna, yeah, he's going to give you the presentation. Yeah, he's but, but, the one but, giving the presentation because he's the only way that I would accept an American ex- oil executive who isn't immediately like, oh, no, we're just gonna let them all die on the rigs. What are you talking about? Like it has Arthur to be him. in the remake. Oh, gosh. I mean, if he does, he have to stay a ginger. No. <laughs> You no, sound gonna, upset about that. Well, I was that, wondering because, like, if he has to stay a ginger, then unfortunately my brain just keeps on going back to whoever played Ron Weasley. But in my head, there's also a very amazing <laughs> Rupert version. Grint? It, I, I keep just going back to it because that's who he looks like. I love like. Rupert Grint. I He's love so him amazing. as an actor, but, like, um, I, I also desperately, there's a brain, a part of my brain that's like, KJ Appa, which is <laughs> not... <laughs> Hinge and chaos choice. Chaos, chaos choice for Arthur. There is not a world in which. Um, no, I don't know. Arthur's a tough one. Be- Arthur's a tough casting choice because he's not a character right now, and I'd probably make him a woman because you know that's just how I, I roll. Mean, that's so funny you say that because my you were going to ask me my choice, and my choice for Arthur would have been, I don't know, Lizzie Kaplan. Oof. Oh, always a win. Why not? Always a win. Yeah. I haven't seen her in a movie in a while. Yeah. Let's let let's let let's let them be some boyfriends on this ship. Let's make Will Poulter the Sophia character because I love Will Poulter. <laughs> I love that man. And he can go he can go and rescue like Mason Gooding from <laughs> being on that ship. And they can be boyfriends. And yes. it's great. Let's get some boyfriend representation. I'm on board for that too. So what then, what is our, what is the towering, number of towering infernos for this movie? 
Scott, you started off. It's out of five. And remember, you can give portions. You can give quarters. Yes, you can give quarters. Oh, I wouldn't want to cut a building into a quarters. <laughs> Go uh, all in. No, I would, though. I'd say it's not quite as gripping or as emotionally impactful as the wave or the quake. But it does have characters worth pulling for. It does have some amazing special effects and a, a novel hook. So I would give it three and a half Infernos Dell Towering okay. out of five. Mm-hmm. Jorf, what do you think? I'm I'm going four. I know I went higher for the wave, and the the wave is like pretty much perfect. Like mm-hmm. the wave is fantastic. I'm gonna give this a solid four. I think it did great in its time. I I did love Sophia. I get like especially stressed by water disasters, so I know I'm a real yeah. mark for that. Um, but it, it's it is he's right. It is it does not ascend to the level of the wave, but really solid outing. Really strong recommendation with four four towering infernos. Yeah, I'm falling three point seven five right in between you guys. Um, it's. I think one of the the better disaster movies we've ever seen. I think it's technically competent. It's really great. It's entertaining. It does not rank um, at the quake level for me, or sorry, the, the wave level for mm-hmm. me. Um, but I really liked it, and I think I would enjoy it more on a rewatch. So yeah, mm. strong. Well, now that I'm not trying to figure out what the hell is happening on the ocean floor, I think that would probably. Help. <laughs> yeah. Now that you're just like okay. Yeah. Now I'm like okay. There's no. We're not dealing with Davy Jones. Cool. But it was it was like, yeah, three a very positive 3.75 is where I'm falling. All right. So, Scott, yes. before we let you go, is there anything you want to promote? Are there any, yeah. you know, you happen to have any podcasts, anything that you, you'd like to plug here? Your listeners can find me on Twitter at Scott E. Movie Nerd. Used to be my full name, but I changed it a couple of years back. So that's that. Also, uh, <laughs> so that's that. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> and if you go there. You'll find access to a podcast that I host called Overhated. Mm-hmm. And as of now, it's only on my Patreon. Hopefully within the next month or two, it will arrive on regular podcast networks. Once I have a large body of work that I can do the new episodes on Patreon, old episodes on podcast, that would be a perfect situation. But it's basically, uh, Amanda, why don't you tell everybody what Overhated is all about? Overhated is a podcast where we find vindication for the movies everyone says is a shitty movie. I went on, talked about the core for way too long. um, And people come on and just talk about a movie that they fucking love and make the argument for why it is, in fact, overhated. Yep. And there's all different definitions. There's overhated like the core, which is uh, everybody says it is silly and ridiculous. But I think most mostly everybody involved with the movie would say, yeah, we know. We're not idiots. Yeah, no uh, shit. Yeah, fucking Stanley Tucci. You think I don't know? Uh, and, you know, that doesn't mean you have to like it just because it's willfully silly. But to call it silly when it's intending to be that is uh, yeah. kind of pointless. And it is very entertaining. So maybe it is overhated. Or then there are movies like um, Catwoman, which got oh. trashed. And it's not a good film. But oh my. It, I would contend that it is overhated for lots of reasons. Yeah, like calm down. Yeah, yeah, lots of reasons that I don't feel like getting into right now. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of podcasts and and shows that make fun of bad movies or or even questionable movies. But I thought it might be interesting to go the other way and talk about either bad or misunderstood movies and give God some damn right historical context as to why they are hated and maybe you know what you should look for if you give them a shot yeah it's a great i had a great time on your podcast and uh you know obviously i think that it is a kindred spirit with (laughs) sort of our ethos here 
Yeah, and Jordan is going to come on, and I think she's going to cover Geostorm. Yeah, we're going to keep this disaster synergy going. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for taking some time and bringing this movie to us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. And it's I I got a screener from uh, what was it? Was it Magnet IFC? And uh, I watched it. I tweeted about it. And then I immediately went, oh, I know somebody who does a disaster podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's how we like did. to be thought of. Yep. It was really the getting that that hello from you about that was really kind of like I was like, wow, we've we've made it. Yeah, we are we've we established. Are known. We are ourselves. known. known. Uh, I'm happy to help, and I'm really glad you liked it. And thanks for the invite. This was a lot yes, yeah. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on. And now we will sort out all the rest of our business on this end. Great. Well, Jordan, I've got a movie for you. Uh huh. You ready for this? It's called Devil Wins. Okay. I, 2003. Let's go. Title is Hell. The, the subject is Hell Has Been Unleashed and It's Coming Your Way. A brilliant meteorologist returns to his hometown in Oklahoma to try to stop the biggest tornado ever. I thought, you know, we've had a lot of prestige. We've had. Tornado ever. Why not just take it back to our roots with a cast that includes Joe Lando, Nicole Eggert, and Erica Durance from 2003? signed up let's go yeah so that's available uh for rent on streaming services so itunes amazon video etc um and i think that's what we should do for next week is devil devil wins or devil right, tornado let's do devil wins i'm in yeah oh devil wins that's what it, i already forgot the title <laughs> devil wins so jordan in the meantime where can we find you you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And uh, soon to come will be the third season of the whole movie podcast, The Botcast. Me and my co-host, Margot Carlson, will be talking about all things robot cinema. And then please, please, please go listen to the Feeling Scene podcast hosted over on Maximum Fun. Uh, recent excellent interviews include uh, conversations with uh, the com- comedian Josh Johnson, um, my beloved interview with Jasmine Savoy Brown. Uh, we've recorded some very exciting Liz Hanna. We got screenwriter Liz Hanna on the pod up there recently, which is a long time goal for me. We're doing great, thoughtful interviews about movies that inspire us and that we connect to. So tune in, check it out. It's and great, of course, great podcast, rate and review as you would with everything we make. Yeah. Um, and I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter, that's where you can find me. Um, and yes, please rate and review our podcast. We're up to 85 reviews, which I think is really fucking nice. Let's so get thanks guys. Yes. yes. Thank you team. Let's get a hundred. Um, and yeah, we're, we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disaster girls pod at gmail.com. Um, you can find us at all of those places always online and spread the good word, rate and review us, share us with your friends. We're here for you and we'll see y'all back <laughs> next week. Oh, I'm, I've got nothing to do. I've got nothing but time. So I'm here for you on the Twitters. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.